0: What is up? We are back. This is Football Life Presents the Audible on this Tuesday, October 19th, episode 77. Man, I feel like we've done way more episodes than that, but hey, a rebranding. This is where we're at. Um, the temperature is dropping here in upstate New York. Fall and football weather is in full force. Uh, I can't imagine it's as chilly in Arizona, but hey, I've, I've read that all of Arizona is not a complete desert. So maybe I could be wrong about that. So that's where I welcome in my co-host, Matt Bushnell, uh, out there in Arizona. How's it going today, man? Randy, it is going well, my friend. It is a
1: brisk 70 plus degrees today. You poor Um, thing. (laughs) Yeah, just trying to stay warm, you know, in this, this frigid temperatures that we're about to encounter. But the good news is, Randy, we are only two days away from the start of week
0: seven. Crazy how fast time has gone by. Uh, we are already a third of the way through with the NFL season with this 18-week schedule that we have now. Uh, but before we start with the recaps and previews and all the show that we do, uh, 77 here, Matt. Um, typically offensive lineman, obviously. Um you got a you got an alignment for me historically, or do you got a, maybe a baseball player or something else? What do you got 77 wise?
1: I got someone a little bit more famous, an NFL godfather, if you will. The galloping ghost himself, Red Grange, baby.
0: Wow. Wow, Corey Richmond, really gonna like that one. That pull. I love <laughs> yeah. that for you. Uh as a Giants fan, I this guy this guy's been a cornerstone for the Cowboys success for the last 10 years. Tyrone Smith. Uh he's he's been a hell of a left tackle. Um and then I'm going to say appropriate for those of you who saw Chris Broussard's uh, rant today, <laughs> Taylor Luan also wears <laughs> number 77. And uh, it's important to note that he plays for the Tennessee Titans. Just wanted to make that very clear to, on the show that we know what team that he plays for, not the Buffalo Bills. Uh, congrats to all of you watching or listening who get that joke. All right, Matt, <laughs> speaking of it's time now To get into it, we're going to start with that primetime game of the the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football. It was a hell of a game, a shootout like we expected it to be, but the outcome, much different than we expected it to be. It's funny how this is a week-to-week league because the Titans coming off of a brutal loss to the Jets uh not even two weeks ago coming off of that loss to the Jets um now beat the best team in the division and one of the best teams in the AFC in the Buffalo Bills uh this was an exciting game this was entertaining I mean this is what you want when you have primetime games right this is the kind of football you're looking for and there were hard hits I felt like there were a lot of good defensive plays made in this game uh good quarterback play on one side I don't think Tannehill played amazing but ultimately did enough um but there's a clear uh if there's a if there is an MVP candidate, I should say, that's not a quarterback in the NFL, it is Derrick Henry to me. He did unbelievable in this game, 20 for 143 for three touchdowns. Uh he has been everything for them this season, even with the um injuries to the wide receivers. Um and yeah, he he helped the Titans win this game 34-31 on Monday Football, Matt. Uh, I don't know about you, but anytime I get an entertaining primetime game, I discount my blessings because sometimes uh, it's not the case, and sometimes they're blocks and they're garbage. So uh, I'll take this game every day, every day.
1: Yeah, you know, I think surprisingly, a lot of the primetime games this year have been absolutely fantastic. I mean, the the ratings are showing a real spike in these primetime games because they've been really good this game notwithstanding i you got to believe derrick henry's got to be one of the leaders in the mvp race he's got to be top three i i'm I'm gonna make a prediction right now randy um you know tractor cedo season hasn't started yet but i think derrick henry will own the single season rushing record by the end of this season and i know it's 17 games I think he does it in 16. I, I think he'll have the single season rushing record after 16 games this year. He is just unbelievable. I, on that run, that 76-yard touchdown run, 21 miles per hour. I believe it was mm-hmm. 21.58 miles per hour, which is just ungodly for a human being that size.
0: So I should mention now, if you bring that up, Eric Dickerson owns the single-season rushing record, 1984. He had 2,100 yards, uh, 2,105 to be exact, with 14 touchdowns. Now, I don't even know, Matt, if they started playing 17 games yet at that point. Or was that even shorter?
1: Uh, I, I believe they were playing 16 games.
0: Okay, so they were still playing 16. Uh, look, it's hard to dispute with you that <laughs> that's going to happen because Derrick Henry is the focal point of everything the Titans do, and it's unlike any other situation in the NFL because he's not a dominant pass catcher. Most of his volume is on the ground. And it's not fair to be that big and yet that fast. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very difficult person to tackle. And yet his vision and his durability overall is is incredible. Um, it's, it's fun to watch. And I'm not a running backs matter guy, obviously. I am pretty much like, let's throw him to the side. But the, the importance of Derrick Henry for the Tennessee Titans cannot be uh, overstated. He means everything to them. Uh, you can lose Julio Jones, you can lose A.J. Brown for a week or two. You can't lose Eric Henry. That whole offense, offensive identity revolves around this man, and he establishes their the way they want to run, uh, way they want to play games, how they want to run their offense, and it, honestly, he goes and helps their defense as well because they can play time and possession. Now, Matt, when you look at this game, I expected the Bills' defense to be much more of a problem for Henry because in in recent history, they've done a good job with him. Uh, But he had a 76-yarder in the the first half, and that really kind of set the tone, the first touchdown of the game. The Bills looked like they had this game uh, in the bag a little later than that. um, uh, It felt like in the third quarter, the Bills started to pull away a little bit, but the Titans kept battling back. And ultimately, this game came down to a fourth-and-one call. Uh, inside the 10-yard line, Bills decide to go for it instead of kicking the game-tying field goal. I don't know. I want to know your thoughts on the play, uh, the play call here, Matt, because you have Josh Allen doing a quarterback sneak. I know that's a popular thing when you have a big quarterback, good line, you can put, get a push up front. It's an easy call. Um, but I don't know. What call I would have made, maybe a play action pass would have been good in that situation. Because I think the Titans were all in on, on stuffing that middle right there. I think they were committed. They're like, they, we know we're giving Josh Allen the ball. So I, maybe I'm overthinking it. But what did you think of that play call at the end of the game?
1: I, I didn't like it, Randy, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I get why they did it. But to me, you, you know the Ravens are 5-1 and one now. So you, mm-hmm. you, you're contending with them. You know that the um, Chargers are 4-2. and two. You, the Chiefs are starting to show signs of life. So the, the things are changing. I think you have to trust your offense in overtime. I, I, and I get it. You know, it really felt like it would come down to a coin flip. But you're the Buffalo Bills. You, you know, trust your defense. You know, give your defense a chance to stop it. Or just trust your offense to go down and score in overtime. Like I said, I, I get the logic of the call i just don't think i would have made that type of call in that playoff setting because now the titans think they can play with you the the titans think they're right in the mix of those afc Mm -hmm. teams and you know it's a bunch of afc teams right now that have a real shot at this so you kind of have to go back to the drawing board and take a look at what you did but i just think you had a chance to take this thing to overtime establish yourself as the dominant team Like, all right, we're going to stop you in overtime. You know, we'll we'll get the win. We'll move to five and one. But instead, right now, as of Tuesday, we're looking at the Buffalo Bills at four and two because of a call that I think they should have kicked the
0: field goal. Yeah, I mean, the the logic is I'm going to put the game in the hands of my six foot six MVP caliber quarterback and not put it up to a coin flip ultimately is what you're saying here, because in overtime, you don't trust your defense. Um, they've gotten gassed by the Titans offense all day long. And you're like, you know what? We're going to try to go win this game right now. I understand that logic, but you can also lose the game right then and there. You kick a field goal and then you go on overtime. Say you lose the coin flip, your defense still has a chance to at the very least hold them to a field goal. And then you have a chance to win the game with your offense to me to not even trust your defense to do that. Yeah. Says a lot to me. I mean, your defense has played really well to this point in the season, too. That I I, I kind of understand it, but at the same time, you couldn't you, you tie the game and then anything could happen at that point. You don't get the first down here, you lose the game. There's no coming back at this point. So uh the risk reward was not equal to me. And uh they made the call, but you know, they have to live with that now. Josh Allen overall, 35 or 47, 353 yards, three touchdowns. Thought played fine yeah. in this game. Um, through one pick, um, they don't run the ball totally well, and I think if they go as far as Stefan Diggs takes them, because he had nine for 89, he had some really nice plays in this game. Um, Dawson Knox played this game with a broken hand, I believe I saw. So yeah. he's a gamer. I like the culture the Bills are building here, and I know they had no second guessing of going for it at the end. Um, but if you're a Bills fan, you probably walk away from this saying, hey, now we're 4-2 and two and we're not the top spot in the AFC, like you said, thanks to the Ravens. So you're probably going to be wondering all year long what could have been, uh, yeah. maybe if you made a different decision here at the end of the game.
1: Yeah, I I agree. It it changes the landscape of the AFC big time. A a lot of people Mm -hmm. thought the Bills were Super Bowl contenders. And by no means does this game take away from that narrative. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if they're the clear cut favorites because playing at home is one thing. Playing on the road in the playoffs is a totally different environment. And you take a look at a team like Baltimore. What does Baltimore primarily do? They run the football. We saw what Lamar Jackson can do with space and speed. Derrick Henry and that Titans offense can present a lot of problems. To me, this is a gut check time for that Bills defense, and they better Mm -hmm. step it up.
0: Yep. Uh, now both of these teams are four and two The Titans. I mean, that's probably good enough to run away with the AFC South (laughs) at this point. Um, but you know, this is what the Titans are. They could lose to anyone in any given week as we saw them lose to the jets. And then, uh, if they, they get hot and they play well enough, they could beat anybody. So, uh, the Titans are interesting because they have the chiefs coming up this week. So, uh, that'll be an interesting matchup. And, um, I mean, I'm surprised where we are here with the Titans. I feel like I've seen them play so many bad games <laughs> this year. And here they are important too. And uh, also important to know, Taylor law the left tackle who I previously mentioned, got carted off in this game. Uh, I believe it was a concussion he's getting evaluated for. He said he's fine. Um, you never really know what the player self-diagnoses anything. But uh, they can't be without him for too long because he's a huge important piece uh, to that offensive line. So, yeah. Um, I'm interested to see how both of these teams go forward because uh, the Titans, and Bills have history. And I don't know if you noticed this, Matt, but they, uh, the Titans had an epic troll job of the Bills in this game. The Music City Miracle play. They punted the ball. They handed it off and the guy threw the ball across the field to imitate the play. But he threw the ball like seven yards <laughs> forward. <laughs> so he didn't do a good job of executing the play. But my uh, respect to Mike Grable went way up after that. Did you did you happen to catch that?
1: I did. I did. I, I got a good chuckle out of that. I don't think it was one of the smartest moves to do, but you know what? P- football's a little, you got to throw some fun in there, but man, it was gutsy, but yeah, terrible execution.
0: The Bills fans are like, oh, now they call a forward pass. Cause if you're a Bills fan, you probably think, uh, yeah, it was threw it forward all those years ago. So, uh, why check, I believe was the one who threw it. Um, but nonetheless, replay was not as prominent back then as it was now. And uh, the Music City Miracle is legendary play today because of it. All right, Matt Bushnell, time to move on to Sunday night football. And, hey, I said I'll take entertaining games any day of the week for a primetime game. Um, the first quarter of this game, not entertaining. The rest of the game, not bad. Um, considering it, Geno Smith and Ben Roethlisberger in 2021 played this game against each other, um, this could have been very much worse. So uh, the Steelers win this game 23-20. to 20. They're now 500. But... Um, Big Ben just doesn't look right to me at all. He looks totally washed up. Uh, He looked like he was throwing the ball far and as hard as he could to prove a point that he still could do that. It wasn't necessarily good. So I would advise to not do that. Uh, And then Gino is Gino, 23 of 32, 209 yards and a touchdown. I actually don't think he played horrible in this game, but I still don't think he is a difference maker. He kind of is what he is. Overall, though the Steelers defense made enough plays uh, to to get the win here, and TJ Watt ultimately uh, elevates the Steelers defense to a point where they're going to be relevant. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team, but seven to ten wins for the Steelers feels right to me, and it's going to be primarily because of their defense.
1: I yeah, I the Steelers are kind of a wild card to me. I, I felt like this was the last easy part of that little stretch for them, that where they could rack up a couple of wins here, and then they did. I think when they start playing tougher teams like the Baltimores and Cleveland Browns in their division, things are going to change a little bit with that narrative, as long as Cleveland gets healthy. Um, My my issue for here is Seattle is this. One, you can't play Geno Smith at quarterback anymore. I I get that you don't necessarily don't want to bring in Cam Newton for whatever reason, but we're seeing the issues with Cam Newton right now or with Geno Smith right now. It's just not sustainable. You're going to lose every game that you play if Geno Smith's going to be your quarterback. They just cannot move the ball offensively consistently. They have like a little spurt here or there, Randy. But after that, it's just kind of like, yes, it wasn't good enough. I watched the large part of this game. And two, the, the other things I want to address, DK Metcalf, I do not personally have an issue with him trying to go for the touchdown. That was what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, you kind of had that feeling like, I don't know if we're going to win this game with Gino at our quarterback, so i got to try to do this. It was a dumb play, and Shannon Sharp called it out. And to me, DK Metcalf's got to be above this Twitter beef stuff. Mm -hmm. You're a professional athlete. You're going to get called out. And going after Shannon Sharp with the resume that Shannon Sharp has – Shows how dense you are. Like, you can't go after a two-time, no, I'm sorry, a three-time Super Bowl champion tight end, one of the five greatest tight ends to ever play the sport, could block, could catch, and, oh, yeah, the guy's still built like a shit brick house.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. You know, that that is just not a guy that I'm looking to go after. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, DK Metcalf better grow up quickly. We're starting to see too much diva in him. You know, the hair color, you know, trying to play hero ball here and there, like there's parts to his game where he has to improve. And I, I said, I thought he was a top three wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He, he's got to calm down a little bit and get back to working on his craft because he could help out Geno Smith in a variety of ways, but he's just not doing it right now.
0: I kind of do blame him for doing making that stupid play. All he had to do was go out of bounds, and you're in field goal range. Yeah. I mean, at that point, Swain, by the way, makes an unbelievable fumble recovery. <laughs> but then you have no timeouts. The clock is running, and it costs you a chance to tie the game late. I'm not saying you win the game, but at least you got to give yourself a chance to win games. You're losing. You have to make smart football plays in that situation. It happens every game where a team is down, whether you field goal or touchdown. You have to preserve as much time as you possibly can. He caught the ball. He did his job. Now step out of bounds and let there be nine seconds up in the clock. Maybe throw it, like take a chance at the end zone, throw another ball at the, the sidelines, and then kick the field goal. You missed the field goal, so be it. But at least you're not the reason that people are mad today. <laughs> to me, he brought that attention out to himself. Yeah.
1: And did you see the guy who told Swain to get up and get the ball back to midfield?
0: No, I missed that part.
1: Russell Wilson. He, he was oh, screaming. He's unlimited. Yes, he was screaming at Swain to get up and get the ball to the middle of the field so they could spike it. Just you talk about, we say a lot of things about Russell Wilson, but he's Mm -hmm. one of the more intelligent cerebral quarterbacks we have in the NFL. And for him to be aware and to be in that game just shows
0: you how valuable he is to that team. Yep. Obviously, first game without him in his career. Uh, Very cringy Russell Wilson video during this broadcast (laughs) of him before the game, being in fake huddles, running fake plays with no one around. This is like when I when I was a kid, I would go to the basketball court and just hope people showed up with a ball so I could play with them. When I didn't have a ball, I would just practice shooting with air like I would just move around and pretend like I was shooting. And then in my mind, I made every shot. It was great. Um, (laughs) This is the professional quarterback we're talking about here. Uh, Who's hurt, and I, to me, it was a little too much hamming it up for the cameras for my liking. But on top of DK making that boneheaded mistake at the end of the game. To also not know who Shannon Sharp is is pretty dumb for me. Because yeah. you could tell he did not know who he was. He probably thought he was just another Skip Bayless, uh, another, you know, talking head in the media. Look, you want to go out Skip Bayless all day? Fine. But even he has a, an established name at this point. He's been in media circles for 30 years. Um, Shannon Sharp is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. <laughs> he played, he's one of the greatest football players ever. And you <laughs> acted like he wasn't anything. You, you act like he was a scrub. The guy's a Super Bowl champion. Uh, I think DK used a little research where he starts clapping back at people on social media
1: yeah it, it it looked bad man and you're talking about a tight end like basically he was gronk before there was gronk he, yeah. he was just as big just as strong just as fast they just didn't pass the ball as much you know in with this new era of tight ends but shannon sharp i mean i i could go on an entire podcast and tell you how great he is the mm-hmm. strength at the point of attack from blocking able to sink his hips one of the best peer route runners in NFL history, a wide receiver or tight end. I yeah. mean, just the things that he could do on the football field was great. And, you know, just really dumb. You, you, you want to compare resumes, DK? You have a hell of a long way to go before you're even thought of in the same stratosphere as mm-hmm. Shannon Sharp.
0: And sad because younger people today, and I'm saying that as someone who's not that old to begin with, <laughs> oh. only know and Sharp as the guy on um... – <laughs> <laughs> the morning show undisputed who's arguing was skip bayless about lebron james that's sad i feel like maybe yeah. we should mention uh even in the open of that show which the show i do not watch but maybe you should say hey hall of famer uh shannon sharp here with me today maybe you should just add those lines so people start to understand who, who we're talking about here it's not just some guy who loves lebron it, this guy is established as a, yeah. it's a pretty important figure in sports um by the way uh, we talk a lot about the giants owning two first round picks and what they look like the jets own two first-round picks. One of them is the Seahawks pick. That might end up being better than the Bears pick here. The Jets might be a team looking at this two top 10 pick situation and licking their chops because, hey, um, Jamal Adams, not very good. I don't know if you noticed this, but he's gotten the nickname online as Blitz Boy. It's pretty funny because he's, they call this a box safety. He's like kind of a hybrid linebacker. He's because he's not that good in coverage. He no. um, can't catch the ball. Big Ben threw it right at him and not only did it bounce off of his chest it hit him in the face mask too because he just doesn't have the ability to make plays with his hands so um jamal adams for two first rounders looks like an absolute freaking steal for the jets right now
1: yep and there's a team that could have three top 10 picks
0: yes (laughs) that's the philadelphia (laughs) eagles uh which we'll talk about them in a little bit but first let's go back to uh, this is always my the craziest part of the day because it's five days ago now, but it feels <laughs> like even longer than that. The Thursday night football um, for and honestly, we did a show right before this 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 game here, Matt. We did the day before, um, but the Bucks beating the Eagles 28 to 22 in Philadelphia. Um, as someone who had the Bucks. Uh, plus six and a half. I'm pretty angry with the outcome of this game because <laughs> they started co- coasting at the end. And then, uh, the, the, of course the Eagles had to go for two and, uh, only went by six. So that is disappointing. But, um, uh, admittedly, I didn't get to watch a ton of this game, but it looks like the Bucks and Brady did their thing. Um, but when do we start asking questions about Jalen Hurts, Matt? Because, look, I don't know if there's a quarterback in the league with a bigger discrepancy between, hey, this guy's great in fantasy, but is he a great actual <laughs> quarterback? And I, I thought Hurts was going to be better than he is, but game by game I see reactions and I see highlights. This guy struggles with accuracy, which is similar to what he had issues with in college. Um, overall, I like his athleticism, but I wonder if he can process and play quarterback at a high level in the NFL Matt what have you seen from Jalen Hurts so far
1: a less dynamic early career Lamar Jackson you know just a guy that really struggles inside the pocket to identify the open receiver Um, you know and and I I like the process of information because I, I don't think that's insulting to a quarterback really because sometimes the game moves so fast and to Hertz, there's parts where the game just looks smooth that where the game looks faster for him, particularly going through reads. You have to be able to establish one, two, three, four. And a, a guy I really like, JT O'Sullivan, who does a quarterback school on YouTube, just breaks it down. And, you know, a lot of these offensive coaches will cut off half the field and just in the order of progressions. Okay, if you have if one's covered, you go two, then three, but it's all on the same side of the field for a lot of these young quarterbacks, because let's face it, not everyone's Tom Brady who can dissect an entire football field and know exactly <laughs> what the defense is doing. So I think Hertz is trying to look at the entire field and just isn't working. It's too much information for him at this point. Mm-hmm. And it just comes with experience for, for, all these young quarterbacks. It's just, you have to get the repetition of seeing defenses live and defenses change and they mix things up. Uh, he's a young quarterback wildly athletic I just think it's gonna there's gonna be growing pains here I think there's still a tremendous amount of upside when he's on he's on he can throw the football with great velocity and get it to where he needs to get it when he's off he underthrows it he overthrows it you know he can't hit the broadside of a barn and this game was a perfect illustration of it but Jalen Hurts was able to get them kind of back into the game with his legs like I said he is electrifying athletically, just he, he can move, he can roll and he's quick and he can get out of trouble in a hurry. And if you don't account for him, he's going to put, you know, touchdowns on the board as a Russian quarterback. Mm-hmm. So to me, this Eagles roster is terribly flawed. You know, Jalen rigor I, I think that's a lost cause. I, I don't even think that's salvageable at this point, Devontae Smith. I, I feel like he's too small for Jalen hurts to be a number one. It almost feels like Jalen hurts needs more of a big bodied kind of like a CD lamb DK Metcalf as a number one receiver. So mm-hmm. if he does throw it up, he can, you know, it can kind of erase a mistake a little bit. The- Devonte Smith is fast, but man, I, I, there's growing pains here. I, th- I think Jalen hurts is a ways away, but I'm not ready to write him off.
0: Dallas Goddard also missed this game, one of his favorite targets. I also think their offense isn't exactly quarterback friendly as it could be. Sirianni runs this weird bubble screen, jet sweep. And if it's neither of those plays, it's a deep ball. And and if you watch the Eagles, like Jalen Hurts throws five to ten, just absolute – monster Hail Mary is every chance uh, 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 at some point in the game. Yeah. And he's got the arm to do it. And it's, you know, it's exciting when it happens because if it connects, it's like, oh, wow, like that was a great play. Um, But I agree with you. They need a possession, a big possession receiver. You know, if if they could have gotten Alshon Jeffrey back and and maybe uh, got him from 2018 again, that would be the kind of guy they're looking for here. Um, but they can help Jalen Hurts a ton if they run more of a Lamar Jackson type offense. Right. They need to run more RPOs, more designed quarterback runs. That'll open things up more for Miles Sanders and uh, Kenneth Gainwell. Um, That's what I'm looking for here for the Eagles, because look, I have Jalen Hurts in two fantasy leagues. I love the guy, <laughs> but then you look at his box scores and he's 12 of 26 for 115 yards, a touchdown of the pick. Then he's rushing. He's 10 for 44 with two touchdowns. So the actual quarterback play and the fantasy quarterback play is totally different here. Um, But I I need more from Sirianni to help his young quarterback. I I think you got to build off of his strengths. I think John Harbaugh really set the tone here with these running quarterbacks and catered an offense completely around Lamar Jackson and really established like the blueprint of what you need to do. If you have a guy like this. Um, not everyone can be, like you said, the guy on the other side of the ball, Tom Brady, who obviously runs an offense that he's run his entire career, but he's damn good at that. Uh, he was 34-42 in this game for 297 yards, two touchdowns. And maybe the, one of the questions about the Bucks that we all had was, what, what's, what's the deal with the backfield? Um, but I think it's established now that uh, Lenny Fournette uh, is kind of taking the reins as the guy here because he was 22 for 81 for two touchdowns. He also had six catches for 46 yards. If he's going to be a consistent option out of the backfield here to pair him alongside of Antonio Brown, who looks as good as ever. He had nine for 93 and a touchdown. Um, O.J. Howard, in for Gronk looked good, six for 50 and a touchdown. Uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are just distractions in games like this. Like the luxuries that the Bucks have are unlike any other team. They have weapons galore. It's pretty crazy um, to see how talented the Bucs are. And their defense, also not too shabby either. Bagged up in the secondary, but overall pretty good as a unit as well. Bucks 5-1 now, Matt. I don't think we're that shocked at the Buck side of things here.
1: Um, any
0: takeaways you got from the Thursday night football game?
1: Just the, the offensive line plays so physical. Um, they really lean on the defensive line, and they get a tremendous push. I, I think they struggle with fitting run gaps. And what I mean by that is, like, a guy like Leonard Fournette needs a hole. He needs to see it, then he can hit it. He's not a cutback. He's not a zone-read type of running back. It's see hole, hit hole. And to me, why the Bucs can push guys off the line, they don't open the holes. They just drive guys back and they're susceptible to speed moves and clubs and rips and swims, stuff like that, where, you know, they can beat the offensive linemen with finesse more than power. So that's something to keep an eye out for the Bucs. A great pass blocking offensive line, although I feel they
0: struggle with their run blocking fits. But this is all things I feel like they're working out as the season goes along. You know, I oh, feel yeah. like. Leonard Fournette is starting to come into his own as the feature back here, and then Giovanni Bernard and Ronald Jones are just uh, feature back, like are are just like complimentary backs. Um, so that to be scary, that you know, if there's any team that can just kind of experiment through the season with all the talent they have, it's the Bucks to me. Um, and they they're five and one, like I said, with only the loss coming to the Rams, so they're they're looking pretty good right now. Yeah. Uh, and yes, <laughs> mommy, I am a Lakers fan. I've been a Lakers fan my entire <laughs> life. Um, so don't don't judge judge me there and as far as Jalen Hurts over Daniel Jones um I don't know if you saw his comment on that subject Matt Bushnell I probably would take Hurts I think Hurts is a little bit more talented overall um better athlete uh, I think with the right coaching he would be um really good I think he could be I don't want to say somebody's Russell Wilson is like a unicorn in this league yeah. but with the right with the right coaching I do think that the ceiling is higher for Jalen Hurts than it is Daniel Jones what, what's your take on that comparison?
1: I I do like Jalen Hurts more than I like Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones is a better pure passer of the football than Hurts is. Um, And Jones is sneaky athletic, but it just goes back to what I've seen. You know, first play of the game, Giants have the football. I I know we're going to get to the Giants game when we preview week seven, but, you know, just strip them. Like, I'm not sure. Maybe it was Donald who came up from the side, but right in front of his face. It was front side pressure. Mm -hmm. and he grabbed his hand and got the ball out like that's his idiotic quarterback play it's stupid it's reckless and it's been the same thing I've hammered Daniel Jones on over and over and over again he can put up everything that you want him to put up you know and Giants fans can talk themselves into let's give him another year let's give him two more years it's time to move on. The guy's a turnover machine. He hasn't cleaned up his mechanics. He's had the benefit of probably playing some pretty sloppy defenses. And now they're going to be playing some better teams as well. It, I, I don't love it. You know, I'd I, I like Hurts a lot more.
0: Yeah, I like I like Hurts more as the player, and now they're getting out of control in the comments saying Mitch is better than Daniel Jones, which I won't agree to at all. Uh, like Daniel Jones, as a as a thrower of the football is is, is fine. Uh, I think he is a fine pocket passer. He's good pre snap. He's sneaky athletic. I just think he's stupid sometimes. Uh, I ultimately think he's better. And this is not a show where we're gonna break down Daniel Jones through and through because obviously we've done that so many times. Uh, and I'm not sold on Daniel Jones. I know Giants fans have been excited for how he started this year, starting to come back down the earth. Um, I think it's uh you know, pretty clear who daniel jones is at this point uh all right we're moving on now matt bushnell because it's time to talk week seven and also sure. while we do that kind of touch on how each of those teams did in the previous week and we have an interesting matchup here on thursday night football two teams who are reeling uh in my opinion the three and three broncos uh, traveling to cleveland to play the three and three browns and this is interesting because denver is coming off of three straight losses after starting the season three and three and oh and Cleveland coming off of two straight two straight losses after starting the season three and one. Um, I think the Browns are a little bit more banged up. When I look at them, Baker Mayfield went down uh, went down, and it was kind of scary because he was punching the ground, kicking the ground. Um, his left shoulder issue continues to give him problems. Um, and then you also don't have Nick Chubb. And you're not going to have Kareem Hunt. Your, your double-headed monster there uh, being injured really affects you because um, those two really set the tone for your, for your offense. Um, Odell played okay. He got hurt, and then he didn't play okay after he got hurt, and he dropped another fourth down play, a, a pretty big play for the Browns there. Uh, they need Jarvis Landry back. They need their two running backs back. Uh, the defense – I don't know what's wrong with the defense, but the Cardinals really put it on them last week and they didn't offer a ton of resistance. Like I, I, maybe Arizona is more legit than I'm willing to just buy all Um, into, but they, they, I mean, Kyler presents so many issues for so many teams, uh, and they're so, they're so deep on off with, with the talent that they have. It's it's not quite Bucks like, but maybe it is quite Bucks like because they do have talent at every level, and especially we should mention they did this trade for Zach Ertz, so uh, they add a tight end to the mix after Max Williams gets hurt. So there you go. I mean, maybe the Cardinals are are, are really buying into this whole thing. Maybe I should start doing that as well. But this is about Cleveland. Baker's going to play in this game. Uh, Demetric Felton looks like he's going to be the running back, along with uh, Darren Williams, I think his name is. Um, and then Denver, uh, the Teddy experiment, maybe – not going too hot anymore. Um, Vic Fangio, I think I told you in the pre-show meeting that he had the two of the worst challenges I've ever seen. Um, you had bad drops, and you had a misconnect between him and Cortland Sutton. Like, the Raiders really put it on the Broncos, and that was one of the more surprising outcomes of the week for me. Um, So here we are, these two teams absolutely in must-win mode, and it's hard to say that at week seven, but, I I mean, the Browns are supposed to be a perennial contender, and now they're in last place in their own division. I feel like they desperately – need this one on
1: Thursday night yeah to me I I like the Browns in this game just for the simple fact that I think their talent is still greater than what the Broncos are doing I I have no idea what the hell's wrong with the Broncos Randy I I, the defense is good enough to compete with anybody the offense you you have all the playmakers Jerry Judy should be coming back fairly soon Um, I can't believe that that hurts them that much uh, with Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick and Noah Fant, you know, even Melvin Gordon's looking okay in the backfield. I don't know what's wrong with the Broncos. I, you know, it could be coaching. It could be the quarterback position, you know, the quarterback can elevate a team to a different level. And maybe that's the issue. Teddy Bridgewater is just kind of a guy. Maybe drew lock is just better, but I, I don't know. Maybe drew lock is just a guy to, to me. I feel like this team's just going to be in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes when it comes time at the end of the season mm-hmm. because this team can't waste this talent. You know, the defensive window is going to be closing shortly. Vaughn Miller, you know, edge, edge rushers kind of last a little bit longer, but they just get tattooed over and over again by the Raiders who just looked absolutely lifeless against the Bears. I I don't have words for it. it. It truly is something else. Like the stuff that you see from week to week in this league is truly astounding. You know, I thought the Browns were one of the better teams in football at three and one. And I think mm-hmm. they've what lost two in a row now. So yeah, well, they
0: lost to two really good teams and the chargers and the Cardinals, but you think you and I both expected them to, to handle the Cardinals and perhaps give them their first loss, but maybe we overlooked some of the injury issues the Browns have and how good, you know, Arizona actually is.
1: Yeah, and I mean Arizona was out. That was without their starting center, without their head coach, without, mm-hmm. w- without. It may not be Sion, a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe he just needs to stay gone. But I, I would love to get into Arizona's playmaking stuff. I, their offense is fascinating. I found, you know, some things I found really interesting. What they do offensively, concept-wise, that really hurt the Browns' secondary.
0: Let's talk about the Cardinals when we get to their their preview here, too. uh,
1: Absolutely. And and I I think what it did, though, was expose the Browns' secondary, their linebacker to safety levels, where they just had a guy, mainly a guy by the name of Christian Kirk, just come across the middle of the field, run 10 yards, and then streak towards the sideline at an angle and just ate the Browns' lunch all day long. So then it got me curious, Randy. I looked at the Chargers tape. Very similar type of thing. They would run Keenan Allen those routes, I believe, or I may have the wrong wide receiver, but it ate the Browns' lunch. So now you see two weeks in a row against two good teams, What? how to attack them. Can Tim Patrick, can Cortland Sutton be that guy? I don't think so. And that's why I'm going to take Cleveland 23 to the Broncos 20.
0: All right. Um, well, I just don't like where the Broncos are um, mentally. Uh, I, I hate how they come back from their 3 0 start and lost three in a row because I do think they could have. The Raiders were in a spot where they just lost their head coach. <laughs> 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 uh, one of the worst scandals we've seen in a long time. Uh, that should have been a spot where they could have taken over a vulnerable team, and they looked like the vulnerable team, and not the Raiders. Um, and that that's alarming to me. Uh, so I, I have to take the home team here, just because um, I, I trust Kevin Stefanski also more than I trust Vic Fangio, and it's sad because I think Vic, Vic Fangio is a good coach. Um, important to note, though, Von Miller said, that, you know, the, the Broncos' defense, especially the pass rush, is not doing a good enough job to to help them win games, and he said. Coming up on Thursday night, he's like, I don't know who they'll tackle I'm going up against is but I'm going to kill them. So Don Miller is motivated to come out and make a statement. I'm not sure it's enough. I'm, I I also trust the pass rusher on the opposite side of the ball on the brown side, Miles Garrett, uh, Javian Clowney's played okay so far this year. I just don't know how the Broncos are going to move the ball against that front as well. So I don't, I don't, I'm shocked. I feel the way about the Broncos that I do right now because you and I both were all in on them after they started three and zero. I know they played bad teams, but I thought what they had was more sustainable. Uh, and maybe it's just not. So I am going to go the home team. I like the Browns. I'm going to say Cleveland 24 to the Broncos 14. And I don't really like. I don't, I still like 10 feels like a lot, but at the same time, like how can I trust the Broncos after they got boat? race by the Raiders at home so all right uh Sunday, early games, Matt Bushnell, and we're just going to get this thing out of the way right now. Uh, The New York Giants or the Jersey Giants, whatever you want to call them, the Dave Gettleman. This is honestly the Dave Gettleman Bowl because these are two teams playing each other uh, after being the GM. uh, Before before being the GM of the Giants, Dave Gettleman famously was the GM of the Carolina Panthers. um, And believe this, the last first round pick he made for the Panthers and the first first round pick he made for the Giants are Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, two running backs who are not playing in this game great job dave wonderful job drafting you're so good at your job (sighs) see this is the giants are so bad at what they do from top to bottom that they once again at home decided to have a halftime ceremony honoring the 10-year anniversary of the super bowl 46 team they had eli manning david deal all the old guys out come out there And what are they doing in this habit? They had just given up 28 unanswered points to the Rams in the second quarter, losing 28 to three at halftime. And uh, John Mara, I don't know if it was smart, cowardice, whatever you want to call it, did not show his face this time because the fans were absolutely going to eat him alive. Um, The Giants lost. I have have also just put Andrew Thomas on IR. Kadarius Tony got hurt in the first series of this game. And... uh, and for some reason, Joe Judge, and I'm going to get this out of my, the way now, uh, Dan Orlovsky went on an awesome, awesome rant about this, if you <laughs> haven't seen it. He called Joe Judge Timmy Toughnuts, Nuts. Um, great nickname for this guy. Uh, Daniel Jones is in a concussion protocol all week leading up to this game. And Joe Judge has the most cowardice punting scenarios ever. And then it's fourth and one at the Giants' own 41 yard line. They're on their own side of the 50. Like, I don't really support going for it on that side of the 50, especially if you don't have a great offense or great offensive line. So, what's the play call here? Oh, it's a quarterback dive right at the best defensive player in football, perhaps the greatest defensive player ever in Aaron Donald after your quarterback's coming off of a concussion. Just wonderful job by Joe Judge, but an absolute dumb meathead. I can't stand anything about the Giants. I hope they lose the rest of their games. And I, I'm being forced to go to a Giants game later this year, and I'm just going to have a sign saying fire Gettleman slash sell the team and I'm just going to hold it up the entire time. Unfortunately, it's against the Cowboys. I'm going to have a bad time. Anyway, uh, the Giants lose that game 38 to 11. Scorigami, that's the last part about that, I'm going to say Scorigami. Uh, meanwhile, the Panthers also started 3-0, and have also lost three in a row, <laughs> similar to the Denver Broncos. There was a bit of a Darnold narrative saying, oh, you know, the Jets ruined him, now he's back, he's a good quarterback, blah, blah, blah. He played brutal in that game. Uh, I don't know what his final stat line was, but I think it was like 17-42. Did lead a 90-plus yard touchdown drive to tie the game late against the Vikings, which I thought was impressive. But um, overall, Darnold did not play well. Receivers didn't help him either. D.J. Moore, Robbie Anderson had brutal drops all over this game. And then uh, they lose in overtime against the Vikings, who had a walk-off touchdown by K.J. Osborne. That's a lot to talk about here with this game, Matt, because this game's going to stink. Um, my my advice is if you have Panthers and fantasy to start them, because the Giants' defense is absolutely brutal, and, um, and start the Panthers' defense as well, because I feel like this is going to be another just dominant performance by the Panthers. Everything I just said, Matt Bushnell, you have any other takes or takeaways from either of these two teams before they play each other?
1: I mean, I I think Sam Darnold is kind of who I've always said he was. You know, those three Mm -hmm. games he played really well, but now he's back to same old Sam that I saw at USC for three years. Then the same Sam we saw at the Jets for three years, and now it's just – it's habitual with him. So I don't necessarily believe in him, but, man – the Giants are a joke. I mean, just overall, I, I can't believe I thought this team was going to win six games this year. <laughs> it, like, I, I don't see a roadmap to five. So th- this team, I think, is destined to be picking in the top three. It, it's, it's bad. It, it, it is really bad from top to bottom. Infrastructure is bad with the GM picking players. Um, I, if we just take a look at draft picks, just things that they missed on. Like they could have had Rashawn Slater and, you know, you traded with the bears and granted you got a first round pick from the bears and some other draft capital. But then you drop back to draft Kadarius Tony, like the, the stuff is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. You have a coach that wants to talk about ground and pound, and we're going to be physical and we're going to beat you up and all this stuff. And then you just draft finesse offensive linemen. And then you draft gadget wide receivers
0: out Don't get me teams. wrong. Tony's exciting. Tony Tony can make some plays, but at the same time, the franchise left tackle you drafted fourth overall the year before is already hurt. So you've got Nate Solder playing tackle still, and your fourth-round pick project out of UConn playing the other tackle spot. But yeah, you're right. Yeah,
1: I mean, you could have made up for it. Okay, so, so let's say you didn't draft Tristan Morphs. Okay, that's fine. And, and Andrew Thomas might be a fine football player. And right. you know what? He, he might be able to play right tackle. But like we said, coming out of this draft, we both, both you and I felt that sewell was going to be a, a little bit of a learning curve, but once he got it, he's going to be a perennial all pro mm-hmm. from day one. We felt that Rashawn Slater was a perennial all pro. We didn't feel like he was going to be at his ceiling. His ceiling was never going to be as high as Sewell's mm-hmm. damn, his ceiling's pretty damn high Yeah, and, and he he's been doing good. And you could have had Thomas and Slater and, mm-hmm. and I, I get it. Like, Tony's a nice player, but he kind of feels like an add on piece to a playoff team. He doesn't feel like a piece that you want to add. Like if you want to run the football and you want to get the most out of Saquon Barkley and you want to get the most out of Daniel Jones, you don't draft those type of players when you're a five win football team, you Uh get offensive linemen. So you can be physical, make it simple, you know, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. (laughs) And, And that's what it is. And the Giants are stupid. Make no mistake about it, top to bottom, from the GM – I'll go even further – from ownership to the GM to the head coach to the quarterback, all mm-hmm. four of those guys are stupid. And Very it shows so. on the product every week.
0: You're right. It, it's not 100% the truth.
1: Yep, and I, I, I even forgot who the hell they're playing here, but I'm taking the Panthers. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm taking the Panthers. Give me the Panthers 24 to the Giants 20. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't need to break down all the Giants mishaps, but I mean, it's well documented at this point that seemingly every decision that they make appears to be the wrong one and their very expensive defense is not good uh can't get stops i hated the Adore jackson signing from the beginning and it proves that you know he's just not that good uh james bradbury's taking a step back uh leonard williams continues to be the most overrated overpaid uh stupid player on the team and that's hard to do because they have a lot of those uh but leonard williams is a player i cannot stand and i hope they trade but they can't trade him because he's overpaid like crazy dexter lawrence also the one of the most overhyped players the giants have uh it's just weird thing giants fans. Do to try to justify the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. Um, anyway, I agree. The Panthers are gonna win this game, but I like the Panthers big because um I know I know Darren Darnold isn't good, I know Christian McCaffrey's not gonna play, but I like the Panthers defense. Um, and I like them just more than I like what the Giants have going on right now. The Giants at home are also terrible, Kenny Galladay. Uh, as Emmanuel DeVille on the comments say is out. He's hurt. He's got a knee issue. I don't even think he's expected to play this week as well. So the giants receivers are Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepherd, and maybe Darius Slayton comes back. Yeah. It's just, it's not a good situation right now. I like the Panthers 30 to the giants 10. Wow. All right. Moving on now to uh, the Washington football team traveling to the frozen tundra. To play the Green Bay Packers. Um, maybe, I don't know if you want to talk about the Packers, what they did last week. I, I don't know. It might be a sensitive topic for you. Um, but uh, Aaron Rodgers with an all time <laughs> moment to me anyway. And I, I, I just, I wonder what that must feel like in the moment to uh, see someone of the opposing fan base, just giving you the double birds after you just scored the game, clinching touchdown and just look at her and say, I'm like 20 and three against you all time. I own you. I've owned you my own you my entire life. Um, I I know that you're. I'm sorry, Matt. You know you're Bears fan, but that was pretty awesome. Uh, and then Washington, kind of uh, you know, they honored Sean Taylor in a pretty disrespectful way and try to distract people from what's actually going on with them as an organization. Um, they got boat raced by the Chiefs. Um, and Mahomes made some brutal picks in that game. But overall, it wasn't that competitive. I don't think the, the Chiefs really um, blew, blew away in the second half. I, I shouldn't say it wasn't competitive. The first half was competitive. But the second half, the Chiefs kind of handled their business and, and took over and won big. Um, so this matchup is feels heavy leading towards the Packers now. They've won five straight. They're now 5-1 and one against Washington, who was 2-4. Um and and really seemingly like can't get out of their own way and the Taylor Heineke experiment seems to be um, fading quickly so um, I assume just you know as you as a Bears fan you can you want to touch on the Packers um, a little bit here you watch that game probably more than I did you probably like them big here
1: I, I do I I actually do really like the Packers big here I, I think. You watch Devontae Adams, and it is like watching a grown-ass man play against little boys. And, it, yeah. I mean, the, the Bears' defense wasn't bad. I mean, let's put this in perspective. They held Aaron Rodgers under 200 yards passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Granted, he had two touchdowns, and he had that touchdown run. And, I mean, I, I applaud the hell out of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, for, for you to be able to think that in that heat of the moment <laughs> and to say that and for it to be factually correct, Yeah. I, I mean – one if i'm a bears player i'm embarrassed and i and i'll touch on the bears when we get to the bears and bucks game which is probably going to get ugly for the bears as well but to, to me the packers have a little bit of warts in their run game i i don't i don't get the balance with aj Dillon and aaron jones to me that feels a little off um i think aaron jones to get more of the carries i go back to their pass offense though And it really is. It feels like it's Devontae Adams and nobody else. Like you keep on waiting for a guy like Lazard or Amequia St. Brown to really come up. And Bobby Tonian, who has been MIA pretty much all season after week one. Where the hell has this guy been? Absolutely. And I I just wonder where this Packers offense is, is coming from because it hasn't been, Clicking it on all cylinders, which would be scary for some opponents because you saw last, not against the Bears, but the previous week where Devontae Adams put up over 200 yards of receiving yards. I, Washington, to me, is in this weird place where they have Terry McLaurin, they have Antonio Gibson. Um, I, I, man, If Logan Thomas is that important for your offense to score points, you're in some deep doo-doo here defensively it's just garbage it it is a lot of bad going on in that secondary they can't cover guys man-to-man they can't they're not disciplined enough to stay in their own zones so you get a lot of blown coverages give me the packers 34 to the washington football team's 14
0: I am so glad I didn't go to the casino and make bets on the Washington football team like I wanted to, because I really thought they were going to be dominant defensively. I thought they were going to run away with the NFC East, and I thought they were going to be a team that everyone hated to play. Boy, I could not have been more wrong on (laughs) The The front line does not generate pressure at the rate they should. Chase Young gets double teamed, and no one else can get to the passer after that. Uh, the linebacking core and the secondary is just abominable. They they cannot stop anything, and the Taylor Heineke thing. Um, I as much as I think the guy's cool, like the story is cool, and that he's getting an opportunity. He's clearly not the guy going forward. And and Ryan Fitzpatrick is not making this any different. I don't, I don't think if he's the quarterback, they're any different than two and four. Um, but the defense has taken a massive step back. And that's just, it's sad. It's, it's, it's surprising and sad to me because I really thought they were going to be one of the better units in the league. So, yes, I do like the Packers in this spot. Um the Packers need a number two receiver. Um, they clearly don't have that. It's They don't trust uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Alan Lazard. Like you said, Tunyon hasn't been able to do Uh, anything like he did last year and it was all touchdown related but at least having that threat was valuable so they really do need a number two receiver and I don't know who was out there to get if if they're even interested in that sort of thing but uh if if Devonta Adams goes back expect Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to get a bulk of the of the the carries here so uh I love the Packers in this spot I'm gonna say 31-14 Green Bay over Washington football team Okay, moving on now to another early slate game, and this is a game I mentioned earlier – uh, it's the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to Tennessee to play the Titans. We just saw the Titans last night. We already talked about the Titans. Now we could talk about the Chiefs a little bit. Um, Patrick Mahomes had two picks. One of them was a brutal interception where he should have just taken a sack. Uh, I understand you have a great arm. I understand you've made amazing plays your entire career. Sometimes it's valuable to take a sack and kick a field goal. He just floated it up there and it just hung in the air and landed in a secondary member's arms. The other interception is off of Tyreek Hill's hands, and I feel like he's had four of these this year where Tyreek goes to catch the ball, bounces off his hands, and ends up in a defender's arms. Tyree Kill um, is incredibly fast. He's a playmaker, but he's a body catcher. What I mean by that is he catches the ball with his body and traps it with his hands. He's not great with his own hands. I mean, that's not ideal when you're a professional wide receiver. Um, you're taught at the modified level even when you're a receiver to catch the ball with your hands. Um, because if the ball's coming in at certain velocities, you, you can control the softness of your hands. If you have great hands, you can adjust based on how the ball is thrown. When you're a body catcher, if the ball's coming in there, it's hard to time. The, when the ball hits your chest. Um, so Tyreek Hill, definition of a body catcher, and is responsible for some of Patrick Mahomes' interceptions this year. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Travis Kelsey gets hurt in this game after running into one of his own teammates. He ends up finishing the game. He seems like he'll be okay. The Chiefs uh, let them linger a little bit longer than I expected them to, but ultimately took care of business and won big. Now, the Titans are a bad matchup for me because a comment made earlier in this live stream is that Derrick Henry might break the record because of how defenses are run now. It's a lot of dime. It's a lot of uh, cover two to to cover, you know, to stop people from throwing the ball over the place. So that opens up running lanes, especially when you're a team that runs the ball first. Um, How are the the Chiefs going to stop Derrick Henry is something that I'm fascinated to see because if he did that to the Bills, who I think actually have a good defense with good individual defensive players. Who is going to be the guy who's going to step up and and sort of be the Henry stopper? I know it takes a collective effort, but are the Chiefs capable of that? I'm not sure that they are. Like, is it Matthew having the game of his life as the Henry spy? I don't know, because they're still capable of making plays in the air with with Julio and A.J. Brown, obviously, so – the matchup here between offense and defense is is pretty interesting because I do think that the Titans pose a serious threat for the Chiefs defense. Matt, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I kind of think the Titans against the Chiefs, with given how bad the Chiefs defense has been this year, it's kind of a bad spot for Kansas City right now.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear the injury status on Julio. He hurt his hamstring again last <clears> night, so... I don't want to say that's a huge difference maker for the Titans because, like you said, that offense runs through Derrick Henry, and to to me, with the soft offensive or with the soft defensive line linebackers that really don't come up and fit the run gaps as they should, it's a bad matchup. It really is. And AJ Brown is still out there, and you know Tennessee just kind of puts things together. Like they get their tight ends involved, they get you know the wide receivers involved, but Really, this could end up with Derrick Henry 25 to 35 carries and 240 yards rushing. Uh, the, that would not shock me in this game. Nope. And, and that's why I'm going Tennessee. I, I think if, wow. if if you have Derrick Henry this week, play him, play him, play him. Play him <laughs> you're going to play him anyway. Well, I, I would expect 200 yards rushing and four rushing touchdowns. That, that's I, He's going to be the leading scorer in fantasy this week. Just because I think when you are able to punch a team in the mouth and as cowardly and as soft as the Kansas city chiefs are right now, defensively, you're going to be able to dictate this game. And with Patrick, Patrick Mahomes and all that drama that he's gotten going on with his stupid family right now, <laughs> you know, I, I, his head is not in a good place. You know, when, when you have to answer questions about your idiotic brother dancing on the logo of the great, great Sean Taylor, instead of focusing on football, this whole Kansas city team's disjointed. Uh, you know, I, I wonder when they're going to wake up. I wonder when they're going to play football, but we've talked about it so many episodes, right? Randy about the physicality of football, having to be physical at the point of attack and the chiefs cannot do it week after week after week, they played a terrible football team in the Washington football team. And now you get to play a a team that's just going to man up and punch you square in the face. And what are you going to do about it? Nothing. So give me the Titans 38 to the Chiefs 27.
0: Wow, 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 that's amazing. Um, I kind of sounded a little old earlier when I was criticizing DK Metcalf. This is the most like get off my porch you're probably ever going to (laughs) hear from me. Um, I know what TikTok is. I've, I've done a little scrolling here and there. Like, I'm a millennial. I understand it. Like, it's fine. Look, man, uh, you want to go and take a picture next to the number and be like, oh, cool, like this is what the Washington did for, for Sean Taylor today. That's one thing. Put to dance on the number. Like, you could have danced anywhere. You could have gone in the end zone. You could have gone on a number somewhere. You could have gone on the midfield. Literally anywhere else. I don't give a shit, do it in the box. Like your brother gets you a box for every damn game. The only reason you're as famous as you are is because your brother turned into one of the greatest quarterbacks ever in a span of three years. Like you hit the jackpot family-wise. Stay in your damn lane. Just understand. Like people don't like aren't going to be impressed by this. They're going to be like, really? You had to do it on top of a dead guy? Like uh, uh, not literally on top of a dead guy, but on like the way they honored the guy. Like, show some respect. All I gotta say, anyone out there, and I feel like I'm I'm a boomer right now, shaking his fist at the clouds, like like just show a little respect to the people who are no longer here. You don't know a lot about other people's stories. Like just, just give it a rest. Like no one cares about these little TikTok dances as much as you think they do. Just, just give it a rest. And uh, as far as predictions go, I'm going to go chiefs because I, the Titans, I don't trust. And I know I don't, the chiefs have been in a, an up and down team so far this year, but I just trust them more. And I think every time I make predictions on the show, it comes down to who I trust more than others. Um, I do think the Titans are going to give them issues and I do think, but I do think the Titans are also coming off of a high. And I think that's part of it. It's like, they're like, Oh, we got a huge win against the bills. We're good to go. And they're like, all right, well now there are different animals coming in here. And I do think Daryl Williams, by the way, something we haven't talked about is a better fit for the chiefs offense than Clyde Edwards, helaire I think he runs harder. He's a better running back. He's better in the goal line situations and they don't have to worry about getting Ceh touches, making his confidence better. If this guy is a professional, just comes in there, puts his head down and runs the ball. So I like that aspect for the Chiefs as well. I like the Chiefs 29 to 27 over the Titans. It's going to be a great game. All right. Moving on now to uh, you know, we got three more early games we got to talk about. But it's the Atlanta Falcons coming off of a bye week to play the Dolphins, which I thought every um team play, played in London had a bye week after, but I guess the Dolphins don't. <laughs> they don't deserve it. Yeah, I feel like they probably should have a bye week just because they shouldn't want to play football after that embarrassment. Um, but, yeah, if you woke up early on Sunday to watch the Battle of Florida in London, you saw the Jacksonville Jaguars get their first win of the season over the Miami Dolphins uh, in Tua's return. And I don't think Tua played horrible. I just think Tua is Tua. So anytime he doesn't play horrible, you're like, all right, that was, that was fine. Um, but ultimately, I don't know what his ceiling is. Um, And the defense, without the two top uh, secondary guys, uh, Trevor Lawrence looked pretty good, probably one of the better games he's had in his career. The Urban Meyer's best game for sure. I hadn't realized it, but Jacksonville hadn't kicked a field goal (laughs) or or made a field goal until that point in all season, which feels hard to do. Uh, But nonetheless, a brutal, brutal loss for the Dolphins. This feels like a season that is going completely off of the rails for them. Uh, They are, you know, just – absolutely salt in the wound with the Herbert to a pick situation. And also they traded up to draft Jalen Waddle. Um, when you had several other players there available to you, that could have been better options. you didn't have to trade to do it. So um, the Falcons coming off of a win in London over the jets, the dolphins coming off of a loss in London to the Jags. Um, I kind of like the Falcons in this spot because the dolphins just feel like a mess to me right now.
1: Yeah, uh, Derek Wright coming in with some knowledge,
0: my buddy Derek Wright.
1: Yeah, the Dolphins asked not to have their bye after the London game. No idea the thought process on it, but that is a fact.
0: Well, thank you, Chuck. Chuck, I went to high school with Derek, uh, and played basketball with him, one of my good buddies. Uh, thanks for that. Nice, so there you have it.
1: Wow, that is, um, that's interesting. Okay. (laughs) So 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 who are the Dolphins playing against I just I can catch up here.
0: <laughs> The Atlanta Falcons and Matt Ryan. <laughs> who? Who? Is,
1: is that a professional football team? Because I don't believe you. The
0: well, Twins they won are- two games. Actually, the Falcons have two wins on the season, both of them against teams that play at Medlife Stadium full
1: time. <laughs> Undefeated so. against New York. Um, uh,
0: New Jersey, actually. I
1: mean, New Jersey, that's true. <laughs> Undefeated against New Jersey. <laughs> Oh, boy. Can I pick the Georgia Bulldogs here? That's a pretty good football team. I think they could Uh,
0: probably beat either of these. two,
1: Right. Oh, boy. This one. I I mean, you got Matt Ryan, who looks like he's a dinosaur. Kyle Pitts is starting to finally come into his own. You feel a little bit. They still have no idea what the hell they're doing with Calvin Ridley. I mean, he said he'll be
0: back after taking a week off for personal issues.
1: Oh, yes, is he going to be back is is it going to be a new calvin ridley who actually puts up fantasy points um, because, <laughs> that I know. because i've had him this year and it is not pretty no one even wants him in a trade um so yeah i'm sure you would but you're not in my league
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, so i you know what my thought process on this the dolphins can't score they, they, they just offensively they are anemic no matter who's playing at quarterback the fact that you couldn't put points on this Jaguars defense and then you're going to go against the Falcons defense, who may not be much better, but may not be much worse. I, you know, I the Falcons to me have a lot of untapped offensive potential. I feel like two is a bust. I I, I think I think a lot of teams are going to look back on this quarterback draft and they're going to see Mac Jones and Justin Fields, you know, make those incremental progress and let's face it no one was going to have a chance to get trevor lawrence that was just dead in the water but you're going to see mac jones and you're going to see justin fields and both of them are doing okay you know rookie quarterbacks but they're doing they're doing okay they're doing their things and they're going to be like man we drafted jalen waddle we drafted um patrick sertain no offense to either of those guys But, you know, there's a reason why Teddy Bridgewater and that Denver offense looks anemic. And there's a reason why this Dolphins offense just looks anemic and awful. So to me, at the end of the day, I like the Falcons here. I just think offensively, they have more untapped potential. I don't believe in the Dolphins whatsoever. So go ahead and give me the Dolph or give me the Falcons 24 to the Dolphins 10.
0: Uh, Brian Flores, by the way, was touted as like a great coach, and I did think he was actually a really good coach, but maybe it just should be a rule of thumb that if you're a Belichick disciple, yeah. you know, regardless of any optimism you may have at the beginning, um, this is ultimately your fate. And uh, I like Flores as a guy and he put it all the blame on himself, which, you know, I think any self-respecting person would probably do in that situation. He said he didn't coach well enough. He didn't get his guys prepared well enough. Like, all right. You know, at the end of the day, he's accountable. I I appreciate that. But uh, ultimately, you have to get more out of your guys than what you're getting. And uh, he's not doing that right now. And I, I, I like the offensive talent. For the Dolphins, I, I like Devonte Parker, I like Jalen Waddell, and he had two touchdowns in London on, on Sunday. Uh, the running back situation is kind of a mess, but I like Mike Gisicki. Um, And I don't know what it is about Tua because even when he looks good, it looks weird. Maybe it's because he's a lefty. Maybe that ultimately that's what it is. But wow. he looks like a one-read guy who isn't as athletic as we might have thought. Whose arm also isn't as good as we thought. Then that all that kind of alarm is alarming to me. Feels like a team that needs Will Fuller to come back that would probably be ideal for them as well but they don't have any of that right now and uh and that that, that kind of sucks for them so maybe change the candy ass uniforms and maybe we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll like you a little bit more so i like the falcons in this spot um the falcons i don't think are a very good team but the dolphins are worse to me uh, i like the falcons ugly i think they'll win 21 to the dolphins 16.. <laughs> All right, Matt. Uh, that I feel like when we talk about these bad games, we got to talk about them quicker than we are. But we just when, you, when you're football junkies, you can't help yourself. No. Uh, you, you just love to talk about it. Uh, the Jets now uh, coming off of uh, that London loss, the Falcons. Uh, their bye week now travel to New England uh, to play the Patriots and Foxborough. Who the Patriots played one of the most entertaining games of the week. At home against the Cowboys, they, uh, they really gave it, the balanced everything they had before losing in overtime, uh, I'm surprised. That was actually one of the more surprising outcomes for me. And I still can't believe the Cowboys somehow covered that game, but they did. So that's all that matters. You get the win and the cover. Um, But the Patriots were winning that game for a while. They played well defensively for a while. I thought the Cowboys shot themselves in the foot with some of their decision making for a lot of that. But, you know, the Patriots still benefited there. Mac Jones, after throwing a brutal pick six to Trayvon Diggs, uh, came back on the very next play and threw a 70 yard touchdown to Kendrick Bourne. So I like the short memory there with Mac Jones. I, that that to me is one of the most important aspects of playing quarterback, playing sports at any level, in any position, you, whether you drop a pass that was a receiver, you miss a block as a lineman, forgetting that and moving on to the next play is so important. And that's a mental thing. So I like that aspect of Mac Jones. And they get a gift with the Jets here. I'm sorry, Jacob, but they dominated the Jets earlier in the season at MetLife Stadium. And now the Jets get to come to New England where – let's face it the patriots are a better team than they are on the road i still don't think the patriots are a great team uh obviously i think they have issues i don't think they're going to make the playoffs but the jets to me are in a worse spot in a rebuilding spot and zach wilson going to foxborough uh here uh, i don't love it and honestly this is weird usually you don't get two your division teams playing twice before week seven but here we are uh jets the patriots matt what do you think
1: you know i i think what we saw from mac jones was a big jump um I, I don't want to make light of the situation. When he threw the Tavon Diggs, and you know, Tavon Diggs has been absolutely unreal, unreal. this entire year. Yeah. Um, Dallas found themselves a playmaker in the likes of Deion Sanders. But what you don't, what, what you didn't see in Deion's career was a quarterback attack him right after that. Yeah. And, you know, th- this isn't Tavon's going to have to get better at and it's really shutting down that double move because he absolutely got cooked by. Yeah. Kendrick Bourne on that pass and, and good for Mac Jones for seeing it, diagnosing it. Um, I, I feel like Mac is starting to feel the game a little bit more. You know, he's feeling a little more comfortable in the game. He doesn't feel overwhelmed um, for, for, for my money. He might be the best pocket passer out of this draft, which is what, that, yeah. Which he was advertised to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I really like his, his cerebralness when he comes into a game and how he wants to attack certain guys there's still some mistakes that you hate to see from Mac, but he's making progress. And I think it's encouraging, but his ceiling, as we know, it's low. It's it's not a high ceiling. Mac's not going to be able to carry a team like a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, a Lamar Jackson. He's going to have to have people around him to do that. And then on the flip side, you have Zach Wilson and Jacob. I'm just, I I hate to do this to you. I, I really do, but and it feels like it's a different quarterback but the same story. a quarterback who loves his arm so much that he can't fail to realize that okay I, I can do less. I don't have to try to make this throw. Um, there were two big plays in that London game uh, two screens set up perfectly and if he was just able to hit Michael Carter on a screen pass, Michael Carter would have had 40 plus yards, maybe a touchdown with how well they, they had that thing set up against the Falcons. But Zach Wilson's accuracy just boom, just couldn't hit him right there. And, and I, I think that's what he has to get a lot better at is taking those shorter throws. That little screen pass. Yeah, it may be only, a, you know, five yards horizontally, but then you get 40 yards vertically because of the blocking that's set up how these guys are ready to go. Um, he's got to calm down the mistakes. There, there's no mistake about it. You can't turn the ball over in this league and be a successful quarterback. We saw it with Sam Darnold started off three and zero because why he wasn't making a ton of mistakes. Then you start seeing it come back three interceptions, two interceptions, you know, a couple of interceptions, a fumble, those will kill you in this league. You can't have that. So to me, I, I, I like New England in this game because they're not going to make those mental errors. You know, I, Belichick is really good against rookie quarterbacks; he doesn't lose to them very often. Uh, it, well, barely at all. If you <laughs> with Tom Brady there, mm-hmm. but obviously he doesn't have Tom there anymore. But I, I, I like it set up perfectly for New England. I think New England ends up winning this game, and I think Mac Jones has a good game. I think Mac Jones cements himself as an early rookie of the year winner offensively. So give me the Patriots 28 to the Jets 13.
0: Yeah. I think Zach Wilson could take some notes from uh, his fellow rookie Mac Jones on how to take some check downs and some curl routes and just make the, make the simple plays that, that keep the chains moving. Um, the other aspect I like about Mac Jones is that he got lit up pretty good um, by Randy Gregory. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, front side, he got loose. I think someone missed an assignment and he, straight up speared him and drove him into the ground. Uh, And he he fumbled the ball, but I expected him to be, not dead, literally dead, but he looked (laughs) like he wasn't going to come back from that. And he came back and he competed his ass off. So I like the toughness aspect of that from Mac Jones. Uh, I agree overall. I like the Pats here. I think the Pats, if they want to stay relevant in that little in the hunt graphic all year long, they need to win a game like this. And I think they ultimately will. Um, I think the Patriots improved to three and four. Uh, and win 27-17 to over the Jets here. All right, moving on to the last of the early games. Obviously, when I say early games, I mean 1 o'clock games to East Coast, uh, 10 a.m. games where you are, Matt Bushnell. Um, And it is the Bengals. The four and two Cincinnati Bengals traveling to the division rival Baltimore Ravens, who are five and one. This game is awesome. Uh, I cannot believe I'm saying that, but this game is gonna be fun. Um, the Bengals were dominant over the Lions, um, despite not getting Tyler Boyd any action. I greatly don't appreciate that at all. Um, and then the Ravens coming off of a dominant performance of their own, and even more impressively, because it was over the Los Angeles Chargers, a 34 to six win, which is I, I think is incredibly impressive. Uh, you you got to think if you're a Ravens fan if Lamar Jackson doesn't have two fumbles on that first Monday Night Football game of the season you're looking at an undefeated Ravens team right now which is pretty crazy considering their top two running backs blew out their ACLs before the season even started your running back core right now is <laughs> Latavius Murray uh, Le'Veon Bell uh, and Devontae Freeman like what is going on? this is 2015 you're you got one of the best <laughs> running back trios of all time back there but it doesn't matter because if Lamar Jackson's playing at the level that he's playing at right now, he might win another MVP because he has been awesome. Uh, Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown are his main two targets, but they also got their rookie Bateman back this week too, who I thought actually looked okay. Um, the Ravens, maybe we didn't respect as much in the offseason as we should have. And here they are as the leader, leader of the pack here in the AFC. Um, and I like the Bengals so far. They've done a nice job at four and two. But this feels like is where we start to feel a little less optimistic about Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I like the Ravens. I thought they were going to be a playoff team. Um, and I, I I think that has cemented my pick <laughs> of the Ravens starting five and one, if you will, in the words of the great late Dusty Rhodes um, to, to me i take a look at what baltimore does really well and you know it goes back to that keep it simple stupid mythology you know lamar's not asked to read the entire field he's getting a lot better at it but what he's able to do is he can pick apart a team like you can't play man against baltimore you, you just can't at this point because as soon as your dbs turn their backs And God help you, if your linebackers turn their backs to Lamar Jackson, you might as well just move that ball up 20 yards because Lamar is going to get 20 yards running on that play. So you're forced to play zone. And if you you don't play zone really well and you don't understand the zone concepts and you got to start worrying about those run fits on the defensive line and where your linebackers are going to stuff the run and come up it creates a lot of matchup nightmares. And that's what we've seen from the Ravens so much, putting so much pressure on the defense to play a style that they may not be comfortable with. Because let's face it, you can spy Lamar. And there's some linebackers in this league that might be able to do it, but the majority of them cannot. And that's what makes them so lethal. If, if Marquise Brown has figured out how to catch the football, God help you. Because that just adds another dimension. I love Bateman coming out of the draft. I feel like he's a really good possession receiver. That's going to give him another solid option. Mark mm-hmm. Andrews has got to be one of the most unheralded tight ends. You know, if you're able to get him in fantasy, good for you. He is a one of the upper echelon tight ends. So now we take a look at really what can the Bengals do to stop this. The Bengals' best players are all up front on the defensive line. They, they, they have a really good front four. Their linebackers are kind of weak. Their corners are okay, and their, their safeties are okay as well. Not great, not world beaters, but but they can play. They, they can play in this league. So you have to be so disciplined to stay in your lane against Lamar Jackson because if you're not and you let him get loose, it, it's going to be a long day. I I, I love Joe Burrow. I love Jamar Chase. I think that is a very intriguing matchup and it's going to put a real test on Baltimore secondary. I just don't think it's enough. I I think Baltimore is on a different level. I think they're on one of those upper echelon teams in the AFC. You could be looking at them to be the number one seed in the AFC right now. The The Ravens look good. They look really good. They look really strong. They're multifaceted. can beat you in a lot of different ways. And for that reason, I'm sticking chalk here with the Ravens. I think they cover. Give me the Ravens 31 to the Bengals 17.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like the Bengals' offense. I think they have a ton of weapons. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. Uh, Auden Tate is the fourth receiver. He's actually pretty good. Um, Even without Joe Mixon, they have um, nice running backs. Smaji P. Ryan makes plays. They have this guy, Chris Evans, uh, who came in and scored a touchdown last week. Um, and Joe Burrow is the man. Uh, ultimately, I think Joe Burrow is good enough to make this a game, but I don't think the Bengals defense is good enough to get the job done here. So I, I I mean, the Ravens really dominated the Chargers. So I think the Chargers offense is unbelievable. I'm the biggest Justin Herbert fan there is. So I, I'm so impressed by how the Ravens did that. Uh, that said, this is a divisional matchup, and the Ravens nearly lost to the Colts the week before. So maybe they just got up real big for that Chargers game. And I do think this is a more competitive, but I do like the Ravens to win. I think they're going to win twenty-eight to twenty-three, and maybe it's not maybe it's not a competitive game, but the Bengals make it interesting late because I just I think the world of Burrow as well, uh, and, I, and I think he you know he has enough to to be competitive in this game. All right. Going to the late games now. And this is obviously the four o'clock starts for the East Coast. The one o'clock starts where you are. Uh, and we're going to start with Vegas. Uh, the Raiders, the post John Gruden Raiders uh, with Rich Passaccia. Uh Now, one and oh. Putting it on the Denver Broncos last week, and we already kind of talked about that. But hey, Derek Carr uh has kind of proven himself that he is the leader here, and he's gonna go this team's gonna go as far as he takes them. Uh throwing a beautiful touchdown pass to Henry Ruggs in this game, making a huge play late to, to uh, Brian Edwards, absolutely huge. Uh, and then the he threw an absolute dime uh to Kenyon Drake for a touchdown in this game, too. The the running back duo for the Raiders is pretty good, the defense is frisky. Uh, and they get an Eagles team here who um the score did not reflect that game against the Bucks. I don't think it wasn't the most competitive game. I think it was a lot of garbage time going on there. I don't know if I – I don't necessarily like the Eagles in this spot. But the other aspect of this is maybe the Raiders just got up really big because you're, you're going through this whole coach situation – Maybe you're just like, you're going to get up and play for your interim coach. You're fired up. Maybe it was a lot of emotion going on. So maybe you come back to earth a little bit. I'm not saying you'll lose, but maybe you're not quite in the zone as you were last week against a division rival. So maybe the Eagles come in, punch them in the mouth, and maybe the Raiders have to have a comeback win. Um, I think this is going to be an entertaining game with the Raiders struggling, but ultimately pulling it out late. What do you What do you make of this matchup?
1: I, I like the Raiders here. I, I think what the Raiders can do offensively is more than what the Eagles can do. And granted, Hurts is a good quarterback. You know, I, I like Hurts. We talked about him earlier. So I don't want to delve too much into the Eagles. What I really come across impressed with is Derek Carr and all of this. John Grunz, you know, widely renowned as a scumbag. He talks bad about his players behind his back. And I mean, let's face it. Derek Carr may have loved the man. And I think we all saw how Gruden kind of treated him, how he never committed to him and all that stuff. God, it must be nice to have someone love you like Derek Carr, who would just see past all your terrible qualities and will just be like, you know what? It's okay. I know you hate me, but I love you. (laughs) I, I have no words for it. I, I, I like the Raiders in this game. Uh, for all that talk, give me the Raiders. I think Walder's ready. Ruggs, you know, this team seems like it might be in a better place, ready to play. The distractions kind of behind them. Give me the Raiders 26 to the Eagles 23.
0: Yeah, like I said, I think, the, I think the the Eagles actually come out and play well and, and have a lead, but I do think it's not enough. and I think Vegas turns it around and comes back and wins this game. I expect it to be close. I like the Raiders, 28 to the Eagles, 27. Uh, all right, um, <laughs> moving on now to a game that's going to be a blowout. We don't talk a ton about this one, Matt Bushnell, but it's the Lions traveling to SoFi Stadium to play <laughs> the Rams. Uh, an empty so far last week, by the way. Both L.A. teams on the road, so they get a little action here. But this is a double revenge game. This is Stafford against the Lions and Jared Goff against the Rams. Uh, and, boy, oh, boy, this feels like a bad spot for the Lions. <laughs> the Rams coming off of a 38-11 to dominant performance over the Giants and the Lions uh, getting beat up at home to the Bengals. And, and Jared Goff looks, uh, looks pretty bad. So uh, I like the Rams here big, Matt, and I don't really know what else to say about it.
1: Rams thirty four lions ten.
0: <laughs> the Rams, what's funny is they put, took their foot off the gas at thirty eight. Uh, yeah. It was really at, at thirty five against the Giants. They really took their foot off the gas. I think Joe Judge was going to like go over and start fighting Sean McVay physically if he kept scoring because <laughs> there's nothing that he could have done to coach his defense up. Um, and the Rams were like, all right, fine, we won't get to, we're not going to keep scoring. They easily could have scored fifty in that game, but they. Yeah. You know, thankfully they did not. Um, So, yeah, I I like the Rams and they showed a little bit of respect. Maybe at home they put on a show for the home crowd. I like them 41 uh, to 14. And my boy DeAndre Swift is the king of garbage time fantasy points. I freaking love this guy. Uh, Every week he scores a touchdown late when the game's out of hand. And my fantasy team greatly appreciates it. Okay. I'm not going to talk anymore about that. Now, another blog, game, I don't need to talk a ton about this either, but if you're in a survivor pool, I feel like most people are going to go with this team. The Texans traveling to Arizona to play the undefeated Cardinals now with uh, Zach Ertz in the building. Maybe Cliff Kingsbury returns. This feels like a massacre waiting to happen here. I don't know if I'm going to go with the Cardinals because maybe I'm just going to try to play it, uh, play uh, devil's advocate and maybe hope the Cardinals lose. So, you know, if everyone in my knockout pool got eliminated and I'm still standing, you know, that'd be great. But I don't want to overthink. This feels like the easiest survivor pick of the season here because the Texans stink. They got killed by the Colts last week and the Cardinals obviously handled their business against the Browns. Any any way here the Texans pull off this upset, Matt?
1: No, no, there's just nothing. And I I want to talk about Arizona's offensive concepts here for a second. What I saw against the Browns is they, they attack you at multiple levels. They run a lot of nice concepts where they'll have Kristen Kirk kind of attack you at the medium level, Chase Edmonds at the lower level, and then DeAndre Hopkins at the higher level. Like they're flooding the zone of the defense, making the defense have to choose, okay, what guy are we going to come up on? And when Kyler Murray starts to roll out, it forces everyone to come up and they have to respect his legs and it makes it so difficult to cover and it gives them one two or three just just pick your poison kyler you know hit whoever you want to hit and with a wide receiver the capability of deandre hopkins who's unreal aj green has shown life you know for aj green to get that touchdown last week was a nice touch to me, offensively, they're going to put so much stress on you, and they've been running James Conner, who has looked rejuvenated in Arizona. It looks like more of a tough ground-and-pound type of runner gives this offense and physicality that it sorely needs. Houston's a, in a bad way here. I, I think Arizona's primed to put up 30-plus. Defensively, J.J. Watt, you cannot tell me he's not going to be motivated for this game. Mm, this another can-
0: revenge game. That's a good point.
1: Yeah. To David kind of, Johnson
0: revenge game and DeAndre Hopkins
1: revenge <laughs> game? DeAndre Hopkins and JJ Watt, yes. <laughs> David Johnson, no, no. Um, I, I, I think JJ Watt's going to shut them down. Chandler Jones should be back. To me, this just screams mercy killing um, for the Cardinals. I, I think they're going to put Houston out of their misery f- for good for the season. Give me Arizona 44 to the
0: Texans 10. I don't know the status of Terod Taylor if he's coming back at all this season. If he came back in this game, I would like the Houston, I would like the Texans maybe to be competitive in this game, but um, that that I have no idea the status of that. And and the Cardinals just look like a freaking absolute wagon and a force offensively to reckon with. And their defense isn't half bad either, which is something I wasn't expecting this year. Uh, JJ Watt I thought played his best game as a Cardinal uh, against Cleveland last week. So uh, you're right. You're right, you're right. So uh yeah, I like the Cardinals big. Uh I'm going to go 38 to 7 uh big. Uh, Arizona over Houston. All right, For the last late game on the slate that's on uh, the regular schedule, not prime time, uh, it is your Chicago Bears coming off of a loss to one of their owners, Aaron (laughs) Rodgers, traveling to Tampa Bay to play Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Fun fact, I believe this is the second-to-last loss Tom Brady had as a buck was to your Bears when he forgot how many downs there were. So uh, This isn't in Chicago. This isn't late in the season. um, This is in tampa bay so this doesn't feel like the exact same circumstances but you know what matt i have to start justin fields in a fantasy league this week and i hope he has the best game of his career so i'm pulling for you buddy
1: all right that's what we need we we need randy hammond on the train Well, all right, so a, a couple of factoids here real quick. Let me get off the bat. Tampa early spread was 12 and a half over the Bears. I think, Holy they, hell. I, I think Tampa can cover it. I mean, that's a ballsy, ballsy play right there. I like the Bears defense. I, I think they keep them competitive. Um, So I want to talk about the Bears. You know, like I talked about how the Cardinals offensive design makes a lot of sense. The Bears offense design, just the conceptualization of this offense. I just picture Matt Nagy when he gets up to his little whiteboard and he decides, okay, Bill, this is what plays we're going to have in our playbook this week. Everyone just runs 20 yards downfield before even looking back for Justin to get a target to throw to. And we'll just pray the offensive line holds up this offense design is just it's stupid it it makes no sense the run blocking doesn't make any sense they want Darnell Mooney to come 15 yards infield to hook a linebacker on a counter which is completely insane no wide receiver in the NFL can make that block not from 15 yards out on a linebacker running a counter trap it's just it's idiotic at best and then you take a look at the offensive lineman they double-team a guy, Cody Whitehair or James Daniel or Sam Mustafer, never get off to the second level. <laughs> Sam Mustafer gets blown up at the point of attack, and the Bears' best weapon is running the football. You know, Khalil Herbert, uh, Damian Williams will be back this week.
0: I like Khalil Herbert. He looked good.
1: Yeah, he, he did look good. I, I I really like what he brought to the table. And, and now you take a look at Vita Vea, mm. and – Levante David, that David White. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it is not looking very good. The sun's getting low pretty quick there, my friend. Yeah. And I would feel better. G- literally, give me, you know, Josh McDaniels. Ugh, I can't sure. Yeah. God uh, really? really. G- give me um, Cliff Kingsbury. Please give me Sean McVeigh. Please give me, you know, Pat Shermer. Somebody. To to make sense of a passing game, that makes no sense for the Chicago Bears. Um, I I, I like Justin Fields. I I think you see the progress. He he is making progress. He's getting better each week. He's not making the same mistakes twice. Um, He's becoming more comfortable. He's a leader. He's calling guys out. He's trying to hold people accountable. He's holding himself accountable in these situations. But, man the one thing that you don't want to be is you don't want to be that circle on Tom Brady's schedule. And I guarantee you, Randy, that Tom Brady circled this game. He was like, I'm going to beat the shit out of these assholes. (laughs) And I, I I'm going to go with the bucks and I think the bucks cover. So give me the bucks 38 to the bears. 22.
0: All right. I also uh, think the Bucks win big because i just think they're dominant and i think Nagy is stupid and i think even laser calling plays is not putting fields in the ideal no. situations to succeed and um the bears are ultimately going to be in a better spot when they do bring in someone with an offensive mind maybe a brian dayball uh maybe eric b would be nice for you guys but ultimately you're probably stuck with Nagy. so i don't know if any of those guys take a lateral move to be your offensive coordinator but that remains to be seen well, no,
1: nagy has got to go if, if they don't make the playoffs he has to go
0: I agree with you, but I don't know if the Bears are smart enough to make that decision. Um, But, yeah, I like the Bucs to be up big. I think they're going to be up like 41-3 to in this game, and then the Bears score some garbage-time touchdowns, and I get some Fields fantasy points. So I like the Bucs 41 to the Bears 27. Wow, that's that, that is generous. Thank you
1: for giving us, t- you know, those 27 points.
0: I'm hopeful, fantasy points, my friend. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, all right, now we're gonna go to these two primetime games before we wrap it up. Uh, these two games are questionable for me, I don't understand the thought process here, but ultimately, uh, we have the Indianapolis Colts coming off of uh, two straight victories now. Uh, well, should be two straight victories, they're not They're, they're not two and four, but they coming off of a big win over the Houston Texans traveling to Santa Clara to play the. 49ers We're coming off of a bye. I'm not sure of the quarterback situation, if it's Jimmy G or Lance. I'm pretty sure it's Jimmy G. Um, I might be in the minority here, Matt, but I kind of like the Colts in this spot. I don't know. I, the Niners confuse me. They're banged up. They just, I, I, they're, they're very limited. And their defense is not as good as I wanted them to be. So um, maybe the Colts come in there. And Carson Wentz won uh, Player of the Week offensively for AFC, which is kind of, kind of hard to believe. But I guess when you play the Texans, it's a big confidence boost. Uh, they got CY Hilton back too, so that's nice for the Colts as well. Um, I kind of like the Colts here, but, you know, you're probably going to tell me I'm stupid.
1: No, I agree with you. I like the Colts here too. I San Francisco, there's, there's issues with the injuries, you know, for a team that can stay healthy. Jimmy G
0: just
1: it's it's hard to watch. A guy that you know you would think that would have this town. I, I like Jimmy G coming out of the draft, Eastern Illinois product. I thought he showed some good things under Bill Belichick when Tom Brady got suspended for those games for Deflate Gate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and then he just gets to San Francisco and he plays well. When he plays, the team wins when he doesn't play they lose and now he's playing and they lose still so you know i with trey lance i don't think trey lance is even going to be able to suit up really i mean his knee injury sounds like it was it was significant enough to keep him out two to three weeks so to me it's it's a jimmy g show is he going to be dynamic enough to get this win for them i like where the colts are trending i I think that ravens game might have been a kick in the nuts Mm -hmm. like hey you know you better wake the hell up because you're what what, at that point they were one and four now they're now they're two and four it's like you got to get going here it's time now yeah and and the the titans are pulling away so they're Mm -hmm. leaving the train station the colts better jump on that train before it's too late and i think they make up some ground i think they get to three and four here with a big win against the 49ers give me the colts 23 to the 49ers 21
0: You're reading my mind here. I love that score. I was thinking something similar to that. Um, I'm going to go a little unorthodox score-wise because I've seen too many weird scores. A lot of teams doing weird things. Um, I like the Colts 22-19 to over the Niners. And uh, we're going to hear a lot of things about Shanahan and all the injuries. At the end of the day, do you know the team that leads the NFL on players on the IR, Matt? It's got to be Cleveland, right? Nope, it is the Baltimore Ravens oh, yes. who are five and one. So, miss me with the injury excuses. Somehow, the Ravens, time and time and again, um, are set the standard for how to overcome injuries and still be able to coach well, play well, and win games.
1: Yeah, it's on the GM for as much as shit yep. that John Lynch likes to talk about everybody else. Yep, it's his fault for not surrounding the play, the roster, the coaches with the players to back these guys up or are yep. getting guys that are injury prone. Like yep. a, at some point you got to see this. So John Lynch can suck my Johnson.
0: <laughs> <Already then. laughs> hey, because Giants fans make the same excuses for Dave Gettleman, but it's ultimately on him to not, for not putting together a team that has depth and it's, and, it got, and it's on him for putting together a roster that is fragile. So uh, I'm not giving him any excuses or the benefit nope. of it out there either. All right. <laughs> I'd get a little reaction there on the comment section for your uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson comment. I, I I think I got a little rock vibes from you right there. Uh all right. We 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 finish off with Monday night football. And I think that they when they scheduled this, they might have had a fantasy Drew Brees against uh <laughs> Russell Wilson in mind. But uh, we have instead we have Jameis Winston uh against Geno Smith. Now, this might be a hilarious matchup, like this might end up being an all timer. Um, when it comes to, like, really dumb mistakes. Um, and I and, and thankfully, the Manning cast is back, so we get to watch Peyton and Eli talk about these two quarterbacks. So <laughs> that's what I'm looking forward to here. Uh, but this this matchup is questionable. I mean, this is the second straight week. The Seahawks are in prime time, obviously. You can't determine uh, the timing of the injury of Russell Wilson. Um, but uh, I'm not going to pick Geno Smith in any of these games. I'm sorry. Give me the Saints in a close one. <laughs>
1: I, I I don't even. This is just such a joke. Like I, I well, what is paying Eli going to say about Geno? Remember, Eli got his yeah. streak ended because of Geno Smith. Good point. So <laughs> to me, like, is is Eli going to be a little extra Barbie with him? Like mm-hmm. get some little licks in there on him? We're bringing I, out the
0: double birds again, baby. I can't wait.
1: <laughs> that's right. Um, <laughs> the 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 only thing that's going to save this game. Well, there, there's two things. The Manning cast and then Jameis Winston because yes. Jameis Winston is must see TV. He may only throw for 130 yards, but he may throw for five touchdowns along with that. Um I, I, I'm just excited. You know, Jameis Winston can also throw for five interceptions. You never know. Jameis Winston the know. perfect, he's the perfect wild card here. Um I Marquez Callaway, I sorely missed him on the bye week. I needed him back. My wide receivers suck. So, I'll be interested in that matchup. And give my I have Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. So, you tell me. Um, but I, I like this matchup for a lot of reasons for the Saints, because I don't think Seattle plays good pass defense. I think their pass defense is garbage. Yep. You know, DK Metcalf is in some fantasy loony world. Like, you know, I, I love the kid. I, I, his dad played for the Bears, Terrence Metcalf, hell mm-hmm. of a football player. But he's got to stick his head out of his ass. Like, you can't keep on doing this and expect a different result. Get your head out of your ass, play some football, run the right routes. And Geno Smith, we all know you're going to lose the game. If it's close, you're going to lose the game. If it's a blowout, it's because of you, because you turned the ball over a bunch of times. Geno, this is your fault. Every team you've gone to in the NFL has lost because of you. This is the common denominator. How Seattle thought, like, hey, you know what? Thank God Russell Wilson never gets hurt, because if he gets hurt, we got Geno Smith. How you were a a number two quarterback is just completely beyond me. Mm. How Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job, how Cam Newton doesn't have a job, but Geno fucking Smith has a job in the NFL. Someone please explain this to me, because I have not a clue.
0: Well, somehow, and you could go through the list of backup quarterbacks in the league. Gino is not the worst. So, I mean, it's point taken. But also, yeah, look around the league. There's some pretty brutal backups out there. Uh, little rumblings, though. Cam Newton got vaccinated over the weekend, Ooh. and uh, there was some maybe uh, rumor that the Seahawks could have been interested. But they downplayed that. They're like, no, 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 no. He'd
1: be in the building tomorrow if I were Seattle.
0: Yeah, and also – If there's some worse, some bad injury news about Wilson in the next couple of weeks that he might miss the rest of the year, I wouldn't be shocked if that happens. So, um... Yeah, uh, I like I like the the Saints here. I'm not picking Geno Smith. And even, no, it, no, it sucks. I'm so trama- I'm so traumatized by Geno with what happened with him and the Giants, and him ending Eli streak. When I watched Sunday Night Football, and they do always do the player intros where they're like they say wh- who they are, where they went to school. It was Geno Smith, West Virginia. I just I wanted I.K. and Apale to come out of nowhere and just deck him in the face. Like I just I fucking hate Geno Smith. he uh, hate his dumb face and his dumb nose and his nostrils. Flare oh up come and on. Makes a dumb- <laughs>
1: The, Gino's a fine. He's a fine young man. No, he's not. He's the worst. It, it, well, I, give me the Saints thirty-five to the Seahawks twenty-two.
0: Uh, yeah, give me the Saints twenty-six uh, to the Seahawks uh, twenty. Um, all right, important things to note, Matt Bushnell. This is trade deadline week. Uh, the trade deadline is, I believe, a week from today. I could be wrong about that. It could be a week from tomorrow. But regardless, you're going to see a lot of trades. Uh, Between now and the next time we see you, at least I think so, Uh, the Ertz trade is probably the first of many dominoes to fall here. Uh, And the other thing I want to add is that if if you play in fantasy leagues and we had a fantasy question about uh, from Ricky Velasquez, if he should sit Tyler Lockett in a normal world, I would say yes. But this is bi-week hell in in, in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Buffalo, Dallas, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, the Chargers, and Jacksonville all on buy. There's so six teams on a week seven bye. That is a lot. Uh, there's a lot of fantasy te- uh, players on those teams. So uh, I would say sit Lockett as long as Geno's the quarterback because I don't think Geno's going to be able to make Lockett fantasy relevant. But in a week like this, players are probably hard to come by. So you're probably stuck playing Lockett this week. Uh, Heavy bye week for the NFL, trade deadline week, a lot going on, Matt Bushnell, but – there are other sports going on there. are, I believe there's playoff baseball happening right now. Unfortunately, in the American League, I, I, I'm not paying attention. I guess two teams are playing. I don't know. I, I refuse to watch. Uh, and then <laughs> the NBA season kicks off tonight, uh, tips off tonight. I should say that's more appropriate. My Lakers played tonight. Uh, the Bucks and Nets are playing right now. So why don't you tell us about the other shows where everyone else, if they like this one, can be covered on all the other action going on?
1: I, I do have one trade prediction. Okay, but, but by this time next week, Alan Robinson will no longer be a bear.
0: Oh, please, please that, let that happen because I have him in three fantasy leagues, and the guy is a bum now. What the hell happened? Uh, Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy, the destroyer everything
1: good. But okay, all right, podcast time. Um, Dong City, Michael Wednesday. I'm not a hundred percent sure um, what their plans are, but dong city wednesday night 8 p.m eastern time 7 p.m central vince mercadetti Henry malinato jr i have a feeling they're not going but just in case be a look be on the lookout in baseball life thursday we have the work Shoot, wrestling podcast and wrestling life with Corey richmond and jason brooks one of the best wrestling podcasts and randy i haven't watched wrestling in a long time okay i, I kind of mm-hmm. like stayed away from it so you know, I I got my second dose of the Pfizer vaccine. I wasn't feeling good this past week. I was just kind of out of it. So Saturday night, I decided, you know what? I'm gonna watch some AEW wrestling. And my God, I was entertained from the start to the finish. Look at it, you. Yeah. Look look at me. Back in the wrestling world. I tried watching SmackDown on Friday night. I just never felt it. Kind of off. But Corey Richmond and Jason Brooks do a good job covering all of it. Really appreciate it. They do a good job. Then Jacob, Anthony, Moses, and Leon Tompkins from Basketball Life do the Step Back Podcast. They're going to predict the Chicago Bulls to win the NBA title. It's just it, it's in the works. Leon loves the Bulls. Jacob loves the Bulls. He, he, you know, Jacob. True story. I actually had to stick up for LeBron James Ooh. when he was talking about the goat, Michael Jordan. And look, we all know Michael Jordan's the goat. The Greatest ever, but you know, Jacob was steadfast and calling LeBron a bum, wasn't he? Couldn't even breathe the same oxygen, wow, as Michael Jordan. So, Jacob, kudos to you, man. I, I know you're a big Bulls fan, you know. Look forward to you really pumping up our Bulls this year. And then on Sunday, I, I saw a surprise that I didn't notice, but the Total Basis podcast with Felipe Melisio and Sean Flannery was on. I got to tune in a little bit, watched a little bit of the show. You know, it's hard, boys, when when you compete against the NFL, and I'm a football guy, I love you guys, but, man, please try to shoot for a different time, guys. Like, I can't. It's football, man, football. So, but but, but they do a good job. Love Felipe, love Sean, really give you the fantasy aspect with some nice breaking down of the numbers, what to expect. And like you said, Randy, playoff baseball with those Houston Asterix versus the Boston Cheater Sox in the AL. And then you got the Boston Braves. I'm kidding. The Atlanta Braves. Don't you Atlanta
0: dare Braves. ruin them for me, OK? They're my Braves, OK? They, they They're all I've in got. Boston.
1: They, They're hey, all I've got. I don't care. They're all I've got. We all know you're a turncoat. It's OK. Oh. A- against the fabulous really well-run organization of the Dodgers, who have just been snake bitten with injuries. Their poor pitchers can't get healthy. It's, you know, for a team that had to fight and claw to win the championship last year, to be subjected to a wild card with 106 wins, I'm sorry, 105 wins and have to be a wild card for this to happen to them, the travesty, the just the impunited nature of major league baseball for punishing this great franchise makes me sick.
0: Those poor, 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 Dodgers fans, highest poor payroll Dodgers. in the league, poor Dodgers fans. They are losing to the Braves right now, by the way. Oh, of course
1: they are.
0: Potentially uh, could be going down three Oh to my Braves. Um, I got to tell you, if it's Braves red Sox in this World Series, it's going to be the Yankees versus Mets fans. (laughs) Probably not going to end well for me is all I'm saying. So I'm hoping the Red Sox do not make the World Series. So uh, do you dare, by the way? This is an impromptu uh, bet proposal. Double or nothing on our bet. Bulls-Lakers. Do you dare go there? No. No. Damn it. (laughs) I knew you were
1: going to. I knew you were
0: going to do it, but it was worth a shot.
1: You know what? um let's do this. Um, let's do who averages more points per game. Uh, obviously, you're gonna pick LeBron for the Lakers.
0: I mean, I don't know. The Lakers have a lot of um, a lot of bodies here, so that I, I don't know. Who are you going with on the Bulls? I I'll take
1: Zach Levine to be the leading points per game player against whoever. So I, I
0: got to think about this, Jacob. But at, at least tell me in the comments what were the averages. I believe LeBron was north was like around twenty seven last year. What what was Zach Levine at?
1: I, I don't know what Levine was at last year. I think he was at 24 ish last year.
0: See, this what? is easy. these are complicated questions here
1: he's got long we we, we could work it out during the week
0: all we right let's 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 talk. work it out but i wanted to see your we'll get your thoughts on how optimistic you actually were about the bulls i'm um, not doing
1: crack cocaine on my desk well look
0: the lakers are old team uh they things could go poorly for them but at the end of the day <laughs> they still have lebron anthony davis russell westbrook they got some talent just old talent so um you know the lakers you know they'll be okay but i i question the long-term ability of them anyway this is this is, this is kind of gone off the rails at the end here but i thought we'd have some fun uh we've gone on a long long time here uh jacob in the comments said lebron was 25 AD was 21 all right we'll have to talk about this because that's an interesting bet there um yes. Well, I want to say thank you to all of the interaction and the comments in our Facebook live stream. Uh, Keep them coming. I really think that makes the show so much better when we have this. So we greatly appreciate it. If you're watching on Facebook live in football, if you're watching on YouTube, we greatly appreciate that. And if you're listening to any of our audio only platforms, we greatly appreciate that as well. Um, Before we say goodbye, Matt, you have any parting words for the audience?
1: Criminal. What has happened to the Dodgers? Criminal. And we will not stand for
0: it. Yeah, (laughs) please. All right, well, that's enough for our show here. I'm Randy Allen. I'll be having Matt Bushnell saying enjoy week seven. We'll see you guys next week.